Let's go. Master of all things tabletop. With the Paladins of Podcast. They ruin the games you love by talking rules that suck, how to build kick-ass encounters, destroy worlds, and really get your players invested. So go ahead and throw that fistful of dice at someone. Because we're going on a side quest. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to Side Quests with the Paladins of Podcast. Rob, and today we got Tucker. How are you doing, Tucker? It's been a while. Yeah, it has. I'm uh, glad to be here. Glad to be back. Uh, I've been writing stuff for the the uh, blog, so if you haven't had a chance to check that out on epictablegames.com, go ahead and check out our blog. Uh, you'll see me calling everybody cowards. It'll be great. <laughs> you know, I've got to say, I love the fact that you've been able to help us out and write for us. It's been incredible to see your articles every week. I do read them, uh, but I have to say, usually I read them in chunks, so I'll skip a few weeks and I'll catch up. Uh, I love your articles, though. I think well, they're that, very well written. That's the best part of the format, right? Is that you don't you can do that if you want to. I mean, obviously, I would love it if everybody would just like read my articles, you know, uh, well, the minute they came out, but they uh, they drop at midnight, and there have been there have been a few technical uh, bugs around the actual drop time. So I I don't mind when people read them in chunks. Uh, it's as as long as people are getting a kick out of them, I'm happy to keep writing them. Yeah, yeah, it's great. We've actually had a little bit of feedback on some of them, so it's mm-hmm. always pleasant to see everybody reach out and say, "Hey, you know, I really liked what I've read. I like seeing these things." Um, every time I get a message, I do send it to you on articles that you've written. So mm-hmm. it's a fantastic thing. Now, today, I kind of pushed on a small hot button issue with you before you jumped in, and I'm excited to continue our conversation here. And a little bit of context, I brought it up because I want to talk about immersion again. And that stemmed from the idea of paid games. And you and I are on a little bit of a different side here. Um, yes. <clears throat> I have run paid games. I've got my own beliefs on them. Um, I'm not 100% for them. I'm not 100% against them. Uh, I kind of take the stance of Switzerland, middle of the road. And I stay that way, uh, particularly because I find it appropriate in a lot of cases or instances to charge for services in which people can render. I'm assuming that your stance is different if not radically different, based on how how you presented the counter argument earlier today. Uh, yes, I would say that my stance is very, very radically different. Um, I, I I will come right out and say uh, I I hate the entire concept, and I think they're very, very bad for RPG gaming as a hobby. Uh, Why? Uh, well, it's funny you should ask. I've got this. Um, I've 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 got this. I've got this list here. Oh, um, it's uh, <laughs> a list, substantial list. Uh, <laughs> no, it's it's I I. So when 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 this came up uh, earlier in in the in the uh, side quest chat, um, I took a moment to write out my thoughts as okay. they as they came up. So I have I have. I don't know that we're going to get through all of them. I wrote the first ten things that occurred to me in the order they occurred to me, so in no particular sure. order. Um, and I, so I have ten things that I object to. Let's put it that way about paid games. Well, let's. Uh, why don't you 
kind of run down the list without explanation. So kind of give us the title before the description. I'm sure some of them will be self-explanatory. Okay. Um, I will do my best. Okay. Um, some of them are a little bit more explanatory than others because these were right. these were these were written primarily to make sense in my head mm -hmm. uh, and not to make sense to other people. But I'm going to do my best to paraphrase here. Cool. And just kind of let me jump in if I've got a contentious point. I think. Yeah. Well, I mean, I look. You run paid games. I expect all of these points to be contentious, right? I've yeah. Like, I've surprised you a few times. I don't expect to be different now. That's that's true. That's true. <laughs> but sorry. Go ahead. No, I'm waiting for you when you're right. ready. Okay, so just just a forecast. Uh, let's see. So I have uh, the first one I thought of is expectation of quality. Mm. Uh, yes. The, the second I wrote was power imbalance. Okay. The third is not going to be helpful until I explain it, which is converse of number two. Yeah. So explain that one slightly, and then a little bit of that power imbalance you're talking about. So for the power imbalance one, um, it has to do basically the 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 number two is what happens if they don't like what's happening, and number three is what happens if they like it too much, basically. So my question here is when you say they don't like it very much, are you meaning along the lines of safety tools where they can red card, X card, tag uh, the lines and veils, or if they don't like it and they just want to cut out? Well, not, not, not to, uh, neither actually. Okay. Um, I am talking about creating a relationship in which they can say, I am a paying customer. Why is X not happening? Ah, okay. Okay. So along um, the lines of the customer is always right mentality. Exactly. Um, and, 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 and actually you could even roll these two into one because they both sort of fall into the customer's always right mentality, but from different angles. So okay. let me keep, let me keep moving. Yeah. Uh, number four is incentivizes recycling. Mm. Okay, um, I understand that one. I'm, I'm sure. I'm sure you do because uh, I, I expect that it is something you have thought. Knowing you, I expect that is something you have thought very hard about, which is not uh, like a bad thing. It's just like a, I know, like I know how you, I know how you are. Like you're the kind of dude that thinks about that. Um, number five is contracts market, which is a little bit more complicated yes um number six cuts people out uh, okay number seven creative content use issues mm, okay uh, i'll and and that's that's trust me there's it, it's one it's a hypothetical question that when i explain it, it's gonna make it's it's gonna make sense to you sure um number eight is disincentivizes friends mm. All right, number number nine. Uh, what does this note mean? <laughs> That's funny. That was one of your mobile one of your concerns. Games? Mobile games? Oh yeah. Um, this one is is just um, the kind of behaviors it can open up from from the GM. Um, and then the tenth one, I'm just going to read verbatim. Uh, which is not so much like I can I can go into this in more detail, but it's less like gaming related. Uh, and the tenth one is verbatim: Can we please just have one fucking thing in this world that isn't commodified? I simply no. Yeah, I, mean, I, I figured you would say that. It, well, 
honestly, I've got a history in marketing, a history in um, advertising and whatnot. Mm -hmm. And the simple answer is no. And the reason for that is because as long as there's a service in which we can provide that people want, there's an incentive already to have people pay for it. There will always be people who do it for free. There will always be people who charge for it. And there will always be people who pay for it. That also creates the divide, which is the exact divide we're talking about now. Yeah, I know. It's just maybe or not. Uh, we're okay. We're okay. Yep. Okay. Sorry. Uh, recording thing. Ignore that. Um, but uh, the um, what was I just saying? Yeah, we can start here at the bottom with with this commodification one. I mean, yeah. The 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 idea here is like on some level, and this is. This is easily the, the weakest of all of them because it's about a feeling more than a fact. But, you know, at, at some point, like D&D is something I do to get away from the fact that I, you know, I have to make rent every month. Mm -hmm. I have to, like, you know, D&D is, is one of the few things left you can do with a group of people that doesn't inherently cost money. And by D&D, by the way, I mean all RPGs, obviously. I I agree with that. I think before we get too far into that, when we say D&D, it's so often uh, the derivative terminology for anything tabletop gaming related. Like I will say, hey, no. let's play some D&D. I'm probably going to pull out Pathfinder or something else. The chance of me pulling out Dungeons and Dragons is close to zero. I, um, and I it, know, it's, it's a contentious point. I understand. But uh, in mass, most of the people who are getting into the hobby, into the space, understand role-playing as Dungeons & Dragons. They don't know about every other game out there. They may have heard a few. So when we say D&D, we simply mean tabletop games. Yeah, I, and it sucks because I'm the one who wrote an article that said, I am begging you to play something besides D&D and Pathfinder, right? Mm -hmm. But like, even I even I still do it. Um, I actually, I, I, I think it was, um, I think, uh, I forget where I've I, I read, was reading this i think it was on some subreddit somewhere but i said saw a phrase even an atheist says oh my god which is like sort of what i feel like here i get it uh, i get it now i i want to talk a little bit about that contentious pay point because uh, let's look at outside of tabletop games mm -hmm. i mean we pay for netflix we pay for hulu Sure. We pay for Paramount Plus. We pay for Disney. We have mm -hmm. all these streaming services we pay for to get the same thing, but different content uh, on a monthly basis. So mm -hmm. subscription-based fees. Mm -hmm. We pay monthly fees for things like Steam, access right. to Xbox Live, PlayStation Plus. Um, so our entire life is starting to go subscription-based. Steam doesn't have a monthly fee. Just Not throwing yet. that out there. <laughs> Wizards of the Coast hasn't put one yet, but I bet it's coming down the line. Um the uh, the idea here is that we do have a service that we can charge for as DMs. And we pay for other services because of what? The content to help support the creators, the builders, the individual people who are putting time, effort, energy into it, right? Sure. But we don't want to do that for somebody who's putting the same amount of time, energy, and effort into running a game that we well, want. So, so here's here's something I want to very specifically state. Mm -hmm. 
in nowhere in my uh, list of uh, list of items do I say that this product, this this that that the DM's time is not worthy of compensation? That's not one of the arguments. Okay, right. I I, I would argue that well, it it's it's um. I completely grant that they are create that they are creating a thing. And I think it's fair, by the way, I'm not saying never give money to your GM, right? We as an RPG uh, have a huge, long history of, of two things that I would consider to be very fair, which are um, paying, players paying for snacks, right? Mm -hmm. And um, players contributing towards the GM acquiring game materials, right? Okay. Like, for example, um, I was running a Star Wars saga campaign uh, a couple of years ago, and I said to them, look, there is a, a really cool map pack that I would love to use for this game. It's got a really bunch of really cool maps in it. Can we all toss in like 15 bucks towards buying it? Because it was, it was expensive, but it had a lot of content. This is, by the way, uh, this is the Maps of Mastery map pack, which I highly recommend. Uh, Christopher West is the cartographer. He was the official cartographer for Star Wars Saga. Great maps. Highly recommend them if you're looking for sci-fi battle maps with a Star Wars feel. Um, anyway, but, but so we wound up so we wound up getting it that way, right? Mm -hmm. What what my and and my objection is not um, oh. oh I didn't I didn't write this one down. So we have another one. Um, yeah, but but what a lot of it comes down to, what a lot of it comes down to is one one other way to look at this up as on the fundamental basis is the GM is also a player of the game. Yes. And in that sense, I think it's fair to ask. If you wanted to play, um, what's a good board game example? Twilight Imperium. Sure. And you needed one more person. Would you pay someone to play Twilight Imperium with you? Would I pay to have somebody play with me? Yes. I guess that depends on how badly I wanted to play the game. Right, but this, but that's 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 a that's that's a question that like. It's also you can you can broaden it. For example, uh, let's say you had a softball team. You wanted to play softball and you didn't have any opponents. Would you pay another group of people to play softball against you? Uh, I think that's the general foundation of major league sports. Actually, well, these, I mean, these people get paid exorbitant amounts of money to play a sport uh, against each other. Well, no, but see, in that case, the consumer is not. The consumer is the person watching the game. The consumer is the third party. True. The Red True. Sox are not paying the Yankees to play against them. I think at one point, before we go well, down the sports, okay, I think I like think ticket, in, ticket splits. Yeah, and, I, I think when sports were first starting out, before they were getting organized. Oh yeah, actual, but before there was yes, actual organization came from opposing parties, opposing teams paying for the other teams. 
Right, um, but then it, it still was all towards making a profit off the spectators, which there isn't. I mean, if you're if you're if you're paying like to put together like a, a critical role style game, and the mm -hmm. expectation is everyone shares in the profits, more power to you. That's a business relationship centered around creating an entertainment product. I see no problem with that. Hold on, um, hold on. I, I want to strip that now mm -hmm. because we're talking about getting together to create an entertainment product. Now, what makes this different is that it's a capitalist venture where that can be seen by other people. Mm -hmm. And that's why that's acceptable. But if it's not going to be published for entertainment for other people, it's unacceptable. Because it, it, it matters who the consumer is. Who is the ultimate, like, who is the ultimate, uh, who's the customer of that? I am a customer of Critical Role. The players are not the customers of Matt Mercer. Is Matt Mercer critical role? I, I'm yes. really bad at keeping them straight. Okay, good. Yes. Okay, so along the same lines, and this this is where the, uh, the, the fun discussion can really begin because we can truly equate this to so many different aspects. One of the big things is art, for example. Um, mm -hmm. With an art background, one of the reasons I got out of it is because people don't like to pay artists for art, especially when it comes to things like advertising, because... Smaller businesses want people who are guaranteed to be able to make money from their art. Smaller businesses feel like it's too simple. They don't want to spend money on the artist to make them right. money. So as consumers, when we buy art, we're not buying directly from the artist on a normal occasion. However, if we're not going to buy from the artist to hang art, we're telling that artist, based on the fact that we're not buying it, he's not worth it. So by not paying for any service you are inherently telling them that their time and energy isn't worth it to you. Well, I'm not sure I agree with that simply because I don't think a GM is saying that a player's time is not worth it to them because they're not asking, uh, because they're not paying the player. Right. But on the other hand, when we look at the ratio of players to game masters, there are way more players than game masters. And there are some people who don't, actually sit down as a player player they sit down as the game master that's all they do sure but that's i mean that literally is just saying uh, well i think that player's contribution is worthless because the market is swamped ah but it also says there are enough people who want to play that it incentivizes my storytelling ability it incentivizes my world building abilities my charismatic nature to entertain other people and at the end of the day Players are paying to be entertained. Okay, it's like but, paying for an escape room or but, paying for dinner in a movie. But by that argument, none of that is inherent to the, anything other than the market conditions. In other words, if the situation were reversed and we had a million DMs and only like 10 players, then it would be the DMs who is playing the players to participate, wouldn't it be? Uh, no. As much as I'd like to say yes, because the market ratio has shifted... Um, at the end of the day, the DM is the one providing the service. So they're, they're the ones who are orchestrating. They're the ones who are masterminding. They're the ones who are conducting. You know, they are the, the figurehead of the table for that session. Okay, so first of all, we need to make a caveat here, which is saying, clearly then we are talking only about game systems like D&D, like Pathfinder, where the workload of the GM is substantially higher than the rest of the players. Because mm. we're talking about a system 
like my favorite, let's rob RJ McKellen he and steal her golden quill, which is GMless, right? Mm-hmm. Then it doesn't make sense to pay anyone. If we're talking about right. a lower prep system, uh, maybe something like, uh, I, I mean, Apocalypse World leaps to mind. I know there are a paid Apocalypse World games. It's never made sense to me. Um, <laughs> or, or something even more improvisational. Uh, I can't think of it. I, I can't think of anything off the top of my head, but something with, with truly uh, very little uh, prep time expected of the MC. Uh, by the way, I use the term MC a lot. For folks who don't know, that is just the Powered by the Apocalypse term for GM or DM. So if you hear me say that, that's what that means. Um, to be but, fair, I translated MC as Master Controller. Uh, it stands for Master of Ceremonies in the same way I was that, close that, enough. That, that it like, like an MC at like a like a micro, you know, and like a, a DJ sort of thing would. Yeah, motorcycle um, club. It's all the same. <laughs> I'm gonna think of it as motorcycle club now for sure. <laughs> um, so, but 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 um, so, but but refocusing back on, we're saying okay. So let's just talk about the big prep time games because for games mm-hmm. where it doesn't make sense, it doesn't make sense to. There's no real incentive to pay GM for that. But right. So for for this. Um, I want to talk about. Let me. Can we get into a couple of my points because I think there are some yeah. that are really, really relevant to this. Yeah, absolutely. Um, They're all because I think that creating a, a a a a relationship that says I am providing a service is dangerous in two ways. These are points number two and three on my list. So first way I think this is dangerous, and this is what I was getting into a little bit when you asked me to explain, is I am afraid of a situation in which. Uh, it creates uh, a scenario in which the player gets angry at the GM and says, what the fuck am I paying you for? Pardon my language. Mm -hmm. Where a player, it could be something like a player dies. Not a player, God forbid, the character dies. (laughs) Or um, the plot takes a turn they don't like. A favorite NPC is killed off, or or conversely, something like the GM won't allow their favorite homebrew. The GM won't give them a magical item they want. The GM won't let them level level up. Now we're in a dynamic where I am saying, okay, we have created a contract, and I'm not talking about a written contract. I'm talking about the economic idea of a contract. Yeah. Uh, between you and I where you are providing a service to me and you are not providing a service to my satisfaction. Now, I do see what you're saying here. That's that creates a dangerous cultural phenomenon. I don't know, I don't know what else to call it. That I I'm worried about how that's going to impact GMing. If 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 paid GMing becomes more and more common, are we just going, because we have all, as GMs, all of us for years have dealt with entitled players. Yeah. Even if you're not creating a service relationship, there are people who are like, um, you know, I am the main character of this RPG. Screw these other people I'm at the table with. I am the main character and it needs to be about me. And if it's not, I'm going to get upset. And that's just going to, I think, going to get worse if we have people paying $10 per session or whatever. It, Your rates it can. Vary. <laughs> it, it can. 
Now, there are people out there who are surely like that. Now, there are people who are out there that are like that in every industry. Whether you're a handyman, a cable repair guy, I mean, there are customers for service providers that act just like that, regardless of the industry. So that is an instance where we have to really consider if we decide to be paid, we have to take a stance. We have to be upfront on exactly what we're going to provide. We have to make sure they understand what we're providing and let them understand that there are minimal concessions on a lot of these things which comes down to your session zero, your social contract, your agreements, what you're going to provide, how, what expectations there are. And as long as you can agree on that, we should be able to minimize those entitlements for, from certain players, but we'll never be able to erase them completely. There will always be at least one. Sure, but like what, what incentive, like what moral standing does the GM say have to like set limits? Well, truthfully, if you're the service provider, you have uh, the wherever you decide your cap is. I mean, it's your house, your rules at that point. You're the one providing the service. Other people mm-hmm. want to see that service. They come to you for that service. That's fine. If you are, hey, I'll do anything, and you take from the bottom of the barrel, you get bottom of the barrel. But if you set an expectation that says, hey, no shirt, no shoes, no service, they're going to bring in shirts and shoes. I mean, so we're, we're once again, we're going back to, we're banking on scarcity again. And not even scarcity. It's just the fact that if you're providing a service, uh, you can set the rules, the tone, and you can either wait it out or change your expectations on what you want from players. Mm, I mean, I, I mean, I would, I would agree with like, I would, I wish I were in a world where I would agree, agreed with you, man. But we, we, we agree with, we, we live in a world where people get shot at fast food restaurants because they're wrong number of chicken nuggets in the market. Like, yeah. Uh, you're not wrong about that, but that doesn't mean that the expectation hasn't been set. Those are the ex- those are the um, not examples. Those are the uh, exceptions to the rule. Because mm-hmm. every time you get one extra chicken nugget, you're fine. Every time you get one less chicken nugget, you're a little upset. But how many people have you shot because of it? Sure, but what I'm saying is, why introduce that into the game? economy or economy why introduce that into the gaming world at all why why create a culture where that exists well you've already stated that even without paid games that still exists and the risk is that now that we have paid games it may increase the risk but all we're doing is people who want to pay are more willing to be a part of it they're generally more apt to immerse themselves in the story or uh be on time to be on schedule to agree to the rules that you set down so you're actually, from the counterpoint, weeding out a lot of the extra potential. Because if you're going to pay for something, you would want to participate. You'd want to be there. And if you understand the expectations of the DM for his expectations on players, and you're comfortable with what he's going to provide, and he's comfortable with what type of player you're presenting as, it should be copacetic. It's the same process if you're having somebody over for free. So I think, I think on this point, we are just going to kind of fundamentally disagree um, because we just have a different view of how players behave, which is fine. Yeah. Um, we, have a, we have very different experiences. That's just two different perspectives. So I leave it, I leave it to the listener to decide. That's fair. Um, that's fair. So can we, can, we, can we look at some of the other uh, points on my list here? Yeah, absolutely. 
Okay. Um, so the one I really want to get to, uh, because I actually think this is probably, this is one of the biggest problems, um, I think, which is, uh, this is the, so this is the why I thought of it first. Um, the game, having a paid system creates an expectation of quality that I think is unfair to both paid GMs and to free DMs. I inherently agree with this already. Okay. That's good. Um, that's good. I'll give when we agree. Um, makes me feel like <laughs> I'm making good points. Um, so, so to explain to everybody else out there, um, this is something that's actually been talked a lot about in games already, uh, in, in the gaming world, uh, through what's called the critical role phenomenon, yep. which is more and more people are getting their start in gaming these days. And I, by the way, I personally believe very strongly, having sunk 200 hours into it, that we could also call this the Baldur's Gate 3 phenomenon. <laughs> no, I'm dead serious. It's a great game. Um, I've got zero hours into it. It's good. It's it's really good. It's and it 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 inspired me to come back to D and D again after a long break from it. So and and that was very hard for anybody to do. Um, but what's happening is we are now in a world where there is media out there. There is D, or or you could even call it the honor among thieves problem. Honestly, where there is D and D media out there for consumption. That's really, really good and really, really, really high quality. If you mm -hmm. watch Critical Role, you're watching Matt Mercer with like his army of tabletop figurines and incredibly realistic battle maps and all that, who, who is also, by the way, a professional and incredibly successful voice actor. Um, GM again. Most GMs are not that. No, the the, crit the critical role effect, by the way, it, the, the effect of critical role itself goes for all GMs, paid and unpaid. Now, for yes. pay the problem is for paid GMs, this creates a world. This is the sort of customer was always right thing we were just talking about, where somebody's paying ten dollars for a game and they're like, "Well, what the hell is this? Where's the background music? Where's the professional voice acting? Where's the?" I mean, I I live in the online game sphere so like super complex 3d battle maps or not but like where's my high quality um what's it called not roll 20 the other one i mean you have foundry you foundry have... foundry yeah where's my high quality foundry maps with lighting effects and sight lines and stuff like that you know um there there creates an expectation of i paid money for this where the hell is it all and that even trickles down to the unpaid GMs, because mm -hmm. if you have somebody whose experience is primarily in paid games, which are probably, I will grant, going to be higher quality. No, not right? always. Not, not, always no. not always, no. But I would say a, a successful paid GM is, is going to at least try to make his game, his or her game worth it. Mm. Right? No. <laughs> You're God, like, what? what do you mean? God, no. that's horrifying. What do you mean? All right, so get this. This is, I, I want to, I, I say no because I'm going to equate my style of online DMing. All right, 
I, I shit you not. I don't use a virtual tabletop. I don't use background music. I don't use fog of war. I don't use sight lines. I don't use any of the bullshit okay. because all of that stuff will confuse me. What I do is I drop a fucking camera straight down on a battle mat on my table. Right. right, right. That's, that's, that's not a bad thing either. But what I'm saying is I don't have all the extra fluff. So I don't, in-depth prepare my games i got three lines of scribbled notes and a table out of a book i might roll every now and then um i i don't go above and beyond like i do in my my home games well no i would say like i'm not i'm not talking about you i'm talking about i'm talking about the gm who comes to the table and says okay we're going to do theater of the mind yep i've done that too okay well i've been i've been paid to do that you're braver than I am. I, I genuinely mean that. I, I would sincerely worry about people's reaction to me doing that if I were charging for games. Now, but what you have said, though, is 100% correct. When you introduce the idea of paying for a game, those expectations are ungodly high. In fact, when I tell people that I see other paid DMs running games for $45 a session and their tables Jesus are always full Christ. and they have four-hour sessions running two a day, seven days a week, people are blown out of their minds. I mean, what are you getting at $45 a person per session? Why are you running eight hours a day, seven days a week? They make you $450 a day? Yeah. Holy crap. Yeah, get this. I was talking with one of these gentlemen in uh, the Discord server with them all. And he was like, nope, I just do it. I have a good time doing it. I make over six figures a year. Uh, and then I just make sure to uh, let everybody know that I'm not going to be running for like a summer period so I can go on vacation with the family. And I mean, that is absurd. Now, we know that I have run paid games. I've actually paid to play in games too, uh, on two occasions. So I paid once when I was in a physical game store um it was a ten dollar a person game five of it ended up going to the game store to play um because the dm didn't want to just eat that cost and then oh the yeah five dollars sorry i would i would regard that as another like if, if the game store is charging you a fee like i don't i don't count that like right but the extra five dollars afterwards went to the dm right so i mean he did take a little bit off of it and mm-hmm. when you're playing in person i mean, uh, it was a little weird the first time, but, you know, I figured I'll give it a shot. And I paid to play in an online game. And it was fine. I mean, there was a virtual map. There was Fog of War. There was tokens. There was music. The DM was fine. Uh, it was like 20 bucks. I'm like, not a big deal. My problem is I don't like playing as much as I like running. So I will rarely pay for a game. I'll rarely play a game. <laughs> um, but that expectation, that is... That is the issue I have. And it doesn't come from the paying the DM. It comes from the players because they expect that they want to get the sun and the moon and the continents and they want to pay dirt cheap for it. But all these other services cost money. They cost funds. Like, hey, if I'm going to pay 10 or 20 bucks a game, um, I better get all of this stuff. But what if that stuff is costing the DM 100 bucks to run it? That's that's my point though is if we if we're going into this the sense that the DM 
it's a very different thing to say, I, as a GM, am going to pass along costs I'm incurring mm -hmm. to I am going to make a profit off this, right? Sure. Sure. Now, the, the, the jump is weird. Now, but, but, well, but by, which, by which I mean, if I say I'm going to buy the Maps of Mastery map pack, can you all chip in for that? Mm -hmm. That doesn't create a, I mean, it, create, it certainly creates an expectation that we're going to use the goddamn maps, right? Mm -hmm. like if I'm just like, all right, thanks, guys, and then I never use any of those maps, maybe some of my players are going to be like, hey, what the hell, and that's fair. Feel like right? a dick move. Oh, yeah, I agree. <laughs> that would be, that'd be a pretty bad, pretty bad move. Um, but, like, if, you know, if we're in a situation where the players know that I am... Now, I, 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 I would say the players know that I'm profiting off this game. Then, yeah, I feel like there's a right to say, like, well, wait a minute, what are you... Like, I, I feel that there is a, a right to say, well, wait a minute, where's the product I purchased, right? Which, is a, which I think is not a great thing for, for the game in general, because... I also don't want people to get the sense of like, I'm sure those $45 games are amazing, right? I don't want that to be the baseline expectation for what it is to be a GM. I right. certainly don't want that to be the expectation of you how in order to be a good DM, you have to do these things. Uh, we can translate all the way back to the Matt Mercer and critical role effect though. Right. That's because... exactly what I'm saying. They, they are changing the way that we, I don't want to say we, they're changing the way many of the players are perceiving what the game should or should not be. Their expectations are already at one level. Right, but I think that I think that paid GMing is doing exactly the same thing. I, it can. And like paid GMing, is a, it's a contentious point anyways. There's a hot take there. It's such a divide. And truthfully, I've been, the reason it comes up is because so many times people say, hey, I'm thinking about, being a paid GM and they get ripped to shreds and the questions are like, Hey, what, what do you expect if you're going to pay for a game? And you know, it's, it's immersion. It's, it's all this extra accoutrement, all this extra bullshit. And for me, it's just, I just want the DM to show up. I want him to be entertaining. I, I don't care if it's homebrew. I don't care if it's a adventure module I've run before. I don't care if it's something I know by heart, just be entertaining. I'm paying to be entertained. Well, well, so that's, that's actually an interesting question that is on my list. I mean, what would you do if a player asked you for a refund at the end of the game? Hey, I had a really uh, bad time. I didn't think you were entertaining. I want my money back. I think that becomes a personal business style etiquette question. Yeah. Certain, but... certain business mentors will say, no matter who asks you for a refund, always refund them regardless. And some people say, if you've already paid for the service, I'm not going to give you a refund. Sure. But like, again, why, why is that a conversation that's desirable to have in gaming? Uh, again, I think at that point, if you are going into business, you have to look at it as a business and take the gaming relationship out of it. It's business at that point. But that's what I'm saying. That, but that's, that's like ultimately what I'm saying is like, well, if I, I think that's a bad thing to do. I think that taking the gaming relationship out of gaming relationship is one of the best parts of gaming as a hobby. Like that's well, why you, we do this. If you had a player who said, I don't think this was very fun. I didn't like it. And they're sitting at your table for free. Like, hey, you know, feel free not to come back, right? Sure. Wouldn't you take the same mentality if you were getting paid for it? 
I don't I don't know what I would do because um because the the answer is if I if I am getting paid to do something, I do not have the same relationship to that person as if they are not paying me to do it. I would not you're asking me would I behave the exact same in both the circumstances? And the answer is I don't know that I would, because there's a very big difference between somebody who's paying me and somebody who's not paying me. There's so there's a <clears throat> that difference, would you call it professionalism? Uh I would not call that professionalism, no. Uh that's not that's not the difference I'm talking about. I would call that I would call that obligation. So paying for a game as a if if you were in a hypothetical situation where you were going to be paid for a game, you would feel obligated to perform at a certain level. Um I would feel See, I mean, I'll look, the, the answer is I can't tell you exactly how I would feel because I've never run a game for money. So right. I, I don't I don't know exactly how I feel about that. Um, the answer is, um, and, and, and it's less, by the way, it's also less of how I would feel and how I think society would feel, right? I, I think it's too late for that conversation because we've already got a massive swarm of paid DMs. No, 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 no. What I mean by, what I mean by that is... There are going to be times where I, as a business person, I don't personally, like, I, as a business person in any industry, I personally don't think that a refund request is legitimate, but society would expect me to do it, so I'm going to do it. There, there's there's pressures around that, uh, which, is something, which is something else I don't feel like, I, I, I don't feel like I really want to introduce to a gaming table, right? Mm -hmm. um, there's there's a I don't think so I look I I am a person I am a person that um god maybe I'll write a blog post on it these days um I am very strongly against the GM is always right and I'm very strongly against the player is always right okay. I'm very strongly against both those things as maxim maxims right mm -hmm. I, that's part of sorry go ahead i can i can agree with that um i don't think a gm is always right but i think he's got the last call especially if he's going to try not to slow down the game well yeah but 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 what i mean by that is um i believe in things like talking it over at the table and and situation by situation basis and the unique relationship of groups and stuff i don't like injecting the customers always right into that because Fair. even even if even if you're not abiding by that, you're reacting to it. I, I will agree with that too. And I, I understand where a lot of your points are coming from. Actually, I understand where all of your points are coming from. Um, when I decided to make the jump in between uh, not being paid as a DM to being paid as a DM, mm -hmm. it was really awkward. It was weird. I was jittery the first time. I was like, this feels kind of wrong. It feels kind of weird. But at the same time, I was taking extra time extra preparations, extra uh, thought process, extra creative juices. I was diverting energy to a different area. And I was like, it makes sense that if I wanted to be reimbursed for all of this effort, I, I can ask for it. Like I'm providing a service people are willing to pay for. So my market is specifically those in which I want to pay for. So breaking it down business style, it's not a huge deal. Um, but it's not for everybody. And I, I think that 
the people who are willing to pay, they're not dumb. And the people who are willing to ask to be paid are not dumb. The people, uh, the people I, I, who, sorry, don't, just let, yeah. let, me, let me say really quickly. I don't, I, I would never say that the people who want to be paid and the people who are willing to pay are dumb. That's not something I would say. Same. But that's the argument that I see in so many groups. Like it's ridiculous on how horrible some individuals are when they're like, no, paying for a game is stupid and asking for money from players is, is ridiculous and only a, a greedy, dumb a-hole would do that. Well, I this think is... we're having a far more productive conversation than the majority of them that I've seen about this. So oh, I would like to oh, think so anyway. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, so, yeah, when I made that jump, it came down to like, mm -hmm. I, I could justify it. I was, you know what? The time that I'm putting in is not, it's above and beyond what I would do for my normal D&D time. So I'm getting paid for the fact that I'm taking time away from other things. That's how I justified it. Um, I charge 20 bucks a game. I've done drop-in games. I've got a scheduled game that I do on Friday nights. And it's just one of those things where hey, we just roll with it. Like, I let everybody know what kind of game they're going to get. They know what they expect, and they're okay paying for it. And if they're okay paying, I'm okay collecting. So there's, there's, there's a few other, there's a few other points I want to get to that yeah, we got a little bit of time. I, we, we have, yeah, we have a little bit of time. I'm trying to prioritize some of my, um, some of my points. So here's, here's one I think we can agree on really quickly. Okay. Okay. Incentivizes recycling. Yeah. You're so you're, you're talking about that guy who's running two groups a day, seven days a week. That's 14 mm -hmm. games. He is highly incentivized to run a one campaign for 14 different groups. Yeah, absolutely. I think that's a bad thing. I guess it depends on what he is running. So uh, he could be running Curse of Strahd for all 14 games. Right. Yes. You know, it's going to be a little different every time. Every group is going to run it a little bit differently, but it makes it easy for him. Mm, but he's incentivized to make them as similar as possible because that cuts down on his prep. Yes. It's very similar to a school teacher who has six different English one classes. Yeah. And how good are those lessons? That really depends on the teacher. Well, I mean, yes. I mean, that's fair to, to all the teachers out there. Right. It's but a, I, it really depends on DM. Well, right. But what I'm saying is if you have six English sections, they're inherently going to be less tailored than if you just have one. Now, to a certain extent, this is true regardless of whether you're paying for games or not, right? Like, this is not yeah. something that, this is not a problem exclusive to uh, DM prepping. But if you're already commodifying the game, it makes more economic sense. Your rate on return on investment is higher if you just do it that way. And that's something that I just think is bad for, is, is bad for games. That's all. It, again, 14 different groups running Curse of Strahd, because that's the example we dropped. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, hey, if they've never run through it before, that's 14 groups of players who are running through something new. So mm -hmm. for them, it's new. For the DM, it's old. And chances are that even if the groups did know each other and they talked to each other, um, they're having their own unique experiences. But I do understand like the recycling. That's It does incentivize it. It makes it easy. Yeah. So... All right, that. so that's that's a quick one to knock out. Okay, yeah. here's here's another one that I, I don't think there can really be a lot of disagreement on this. Uh, this this one has two sides to it. 
Sir, uh, you're KGM. Yep. What are you running? Uh, Pathfinder. Why? I know it. Okay, what's, what do you think is the, one of the biggest reasons people are going to run Pathfinder or D&D? They know it. It's easy. It's, they have it. it's, they're familiar with it. It's also where the players are. Yes. Like, I guarantee you that pay, paid GMs are not lining up out the door to run um, Octum Cthulhu. Uh, which one? Octum Cthulhu. Ah, I, okay. Yeah, I know what you're talking about. Now, what's really neat is that they actually have websites where we can search for games. So Watch there be like 50 Octum Cthulhu games. I literally just picked that name out of a hat. That's hilarious. That's hilarious. Uh, oh, man. I just found play-by-post for Call of Cthulhu's, uh, Pulp, Cthulhu, Pulp Cthulhu. Yeah. Uh, which one is this one? Masks Cthulhu. Masks Cthulhu? Yeah. Why would you use masks for Cthulhu? I don't know, but there's only two seats left in the game. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> oh, there's Scooby-Doo Cthulhu. <laughs> Scooby-Doo so, Cthulhu is perhaps the only game concept I've ever heard of that I might actually pay money for. Delta Green. Uh, but you're right, Acton Cthulhu is not uh, not popping up on the list right immediately for the next two days. Right, because there's no incentive to run it. Because... Uh, I guess not. Now, conversely... okay, Tiny Cthulhu. <laughs> conversely, converse, so what I mean is... It's push the market pushes towards DMs running D and D and Pathfinder because they want to make money. That's where the players are. Sure, you can you can fill a D and D and Pathfinder game so easily. Now, uh, depending on the version, yes. I sorry, D and D five E and I assume second edition for Pathfinder. Yes. 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 I I'm I'm specifically talking about the latest editions. Um. Now, conversely, another thing that's annoying is I do know somebody who GMs for a smaller system. I mean, World of Darkness is not much smaller. It's up there. But I'm annoyed that Arthur, and don't kill me, Arthur, but I annoy that your GMing for, your GMing is paid now because there aren't a ton. Well, let's just say there aren't nearly as many World of Darkness GMs running around out there. And now you've taken one off the market. Like you've said, okay, I'm only going to run paid games now. So now the people who want to play, like, and yeah, you can say like, well, it's a rare commodity. It deserves to be paid for. Well, what about people who, actually, this this segues nicely into another point. What about the people who can't? I, there are people out there who legitimately cannot afford to pay $10, $20, it's easy to see when you're talking about $45 a session, but there are people out there who can't pay $10 a session. Do they not deserve to play in RPGs? So I understand that argument uh, because you have that um, barrier to entry once you start introducing yeah. cost. And the yeah. fact is, is the barrier to entry, even if you're playing at a table, can already feel ridiculous when you're looking at $65 for a physical book, depending on the game that you're playing. Right. Um, the benefit of playing at a physical table is that usually somebody has a book you can at least thumb through for free. Right. Um, we could wear, I mean, there's, it's an old time honored tradition. The game master has all the books and everybody else just uses those. 
Yes. Yes. By the way, I hate that, but I prescribe to it anyway. It's it's not my favorite way of doing it, but I've played with enough. I've been money strapped enough. I've played with enough money strapped groups that it is just it is just how it is sometimes. Right. Now it do be the, like that. <laughs> that barrier to entry, um it what it does is sucks. And it sucks hard. And the reason it sucks hard is because you have so many players who want to play, but they cannot cross the threshold. It does not mean they shouldn't play. It just means that they cannot play in that particular game. Uh, it makes it harder for them to find players and DMs who are going to run that system, or maybe they don't have anybody around to run that system. Mm -hmm. However, on the flip side is that if you remove that threshold, remove that barrier, um, they still may not have anybody to play with, but they can find games online to play for free, which is fine. But they could also take it as an opportunity to learn the system and then run the system. So like we've mentioned, the DM is a player. And if we want to play something new, we don't have the opportunity to sit down as a player. We always have the opportunity to find a way to learn the system and then run the system. I, you know, I, I gotta say, man, like, you, you're, you're saying, uh, you're saying your response to barrier of entry is, well, there'll usually be some free games around, and even if there aren't, they can run a game? To be fair, that's the same exact argument you would get whether they were paid games or not. There are other games you can find around, and if you can't find any, learn how to run it yourself. I think there's a really big difference between there not being any games available and the only games being available costing money. I, it, I just, I think there's it, a very big moral difference there. Uh, there may be a moral difference for some people, but at the end of the day, if you can't pay the cash to break the threshold, it's, again, there are zero games. It's not, there are games, there are zero games, and then there are paid games, there are just zero games. Like, don't go window shopping at that point. Okay, we're not going to agree on this one, and we're going to move on. <laughs> I, it was just like I said, it was a, it was a counterpoint, because I, it, if you can't find a game for free, if you can't find anybody local, don't even consider paid games. You're still in the same boat. You can always turn around and learn the game. In fact, when I wanted to play a specific game, nobody else did. I couldn't find players around for it. I had to learn it. I had to learn how to run it. And then still nobody wanted to play it. So that's the way it was. I just, I just, that is not, that is not the way I want my hobby to present itself to new players. That's, that's just, let me just leave it at that. Okay. Yeah, that's, that's, that's fair. Not, that's not how, what I want players to experience when they come into the hobby for the first time. That's fair. Um, so here's, here's, um, I think we've we've covered there are three points left that we haven't really covered uh on my list one of them is not super great which is it opens up pay-to-win behaviors like it'll just be like once once money's already in the system why not bribe your G why not give your gm five dollars to let you have a magic item oh but totally like, do it huh totally do it D don't do that jesus god come damn on Christ. you ever have you ever run a game where somebody's like hey here's a soda can i have a magic item 
bribing oh. the GM is an integral part of the is the is it's an integral part of the table. Counterpoint: Do we genuinely think microtransactions have made video games better? EA EA does. Thank you. Okay, I'm, you know what? I'm just gonna let that one sit, and we're gonna let the audience decide on that one. Or we'll uh, let, the, let the audience decide on that one. Okay. All right, hold on. You know, you do have a point. I mean, when you look at something like microtransactions, it's it's bullshit. And if somebody was like, Rob, here's 10 extra bucks. Can I have a magic item? It's like, no, I'm not going to offset it. I don't think a majority of DMs would, but I've been wrong on many accounts before. I'm sure there are people who have introduced microtransactions. Um, but on the same note, I want to throw this idea at you because it, it seems hilarious. All right. Let's say we are running a game or... I'm running, you're running, it doesn't matter who's running the game. We're in a game together that's being live streamed. It's not, we're not getting paid for this shit, right? Right. Well, but, maybe we are, but continue. Let's assume we're not. Right. But the Twitch stream is allowing for donations and donations denote what happens. So Fred decides to donate $300 to kill your character. Is that okay? I think that that's that's definitely one. So so that's one where I have a very hard time imagining. <laughs> Sorry, this is just funny to picture. I have a very hard time imagining a situation where a player doesn't know that's going on going in. <laughs> uh, sure. I, I'm sure. sorry, can you just can you just imagine being in a campaign and the GM at the end of it is like, oh, by the way, we were live streaming the entire time. That's why random shit kept happening. I've thought about it. I've thought about going in dark. Oh my like, God, I'd never do that. No. I I would let them know, but like, hey, here's the plan. I'm people are gonna be donating money no, no, and no, whatever that's, they that's, say. But that's what I'm saying. That's what I'm saying. That's oh, what I'm saying. I, like completely dark. Completely oh. dark. Like that, no, that I couldn't would be do that. horrible. But like, if, but, but like that's the thing is like if you're agreeing to that then you're agreeing to that if i'm if right. i'm if i'm if i'm at that table then like presumably i have agreed to the possibility that uh fred chan 98 will kill my character by paying 300 dollars, <laughs> and i will probably look at the camera and go can i get an f in the chat for my character voice like <laughs> like at, at that point like that's just the game you're playing right 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 also, now that's actually sorry if the GM is getting tipped three hundred dollars and I'm not getting paid for it, I would be. That is where I would maybe talk to the GM and be like, "Hey, let's maybe renegotiate this a little bit." Like, but at that at that point, we're looking at not just paid GM. I mean, we're looking at paid entertainment, right? As a collective, right? So, like this is this is the this is what we were talking about earlier, where the DM yeah. is not providing providing the service to the players anymore. The group is providing the service to the right. Right. The, okay. Uh, anyway, <laughs> I didn't mean to derail us. Um, that's fine. So, um, there are two two other quick things. I think they're going to be very quick. Um, one is the creative content use issue, which I brought up before, and you made a noise about. So here's the question. Okay. Mm -hmm. uh, let's say I play in one of your games. Okay. Maybe yep. it's your custom campaign world, which I think makes this a little bit more sense, right? Probably. Um, I play. I play a fighter named Yuri, say. And we Yuri. do a great campaign. I have a, I don't know, I was coming up with fighter names. So no, just committing to memory. Right. Um, and we play through a great epic one through 20 campaign. We have a great time doing it. 
Um, and then I'm done. I'm gone. We are, our relationship has ended. Can you now use Fury and other games set in that world? I, me personally, probably not. Uh, depends. I might have a conversation with you. Uh, hey, mm -hmm. you know, your character retired. I'd mm -hmm. like to do something. Or if I'm building an entire world where there's a history and your character was a part of that history and made a name for themselves, right. I might integrate. It depends on the situation. Uh, it depends on how it would work out. Um, and but, then after 20 levels, how I felt about the player. Right. But what I'm saying, let's say, let's say the player, you and the player had a great relationship, right? Mm -hmm. But what I'm saying is, do you have a, I mean, there, in, in my opinion, there might even be like legal issues that result for this. If you start charging money based on creative content you created in collaboration with somebody else. Uh, so from a legal standpoint, it is a um, great area, but without a contract. Point of orders, point of order, we are not lawyers. Right. We are not giving legal advice. This is right. just our opinions. Sorry, go on. No, I think that's a fair point to make. Um, we, we have that point of contention of the fact that we both participate. I mean, Yuri wouldn't exist if it wasn't for me. And I wouldn't have developed the world had it not been for Yuri. So collaboratively, we both are technically owners, are we not? You're owners of the world. I'm owners of the character. Right. And that, that just creates, I just think that that creates some, some complex issues when it talks to benefiting off that. Right. I, I guess it would depend, again, on situational. You know, so it, that might be, that might be, yeah, that might be more. I, I think we're we're edging towards overtimeness as well, so that might that might be a little bit too much to discuss. But I mean, um, we usually hit about forty five minutes. We're about an hour in, and oh, uh, I don't, that's all right. I mean, some of our episodes we know that will go a little long, and I think that this argumentative, um, div divisive, divisive, divisiveness, divisiveness. Yes, I think the two sides to this argument, while have been beat to death, I think yours and I's are probably one of the most um, amicable to yeah. say from what we've seen on the internet. I don't yeah. mind pushing it a little bit farther. I I've, I've only, I've only almost lost my temper once. It's been great. Um, <laughs> so the, so the last point I have, and I, 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 this is, this is, this is a, this is not a, a one in which I think, this is a pretty straightforward one is um, I think being a paid GM disincentivizes playing with your friends. I'm going I to think. assume that's because why do it for free if you can get paid for it? Or conversely, like you're going to be asking your friends for money, which is always, I have always found in the past that creating a payer payee relationship with my friends, it, it doesn't tend to end well. Right. Uh, so it, it, in, 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 in either, either way you want to look at it, it disincentivizes playing with your friends, which I think is antithetical to the nature of the hobby, but I would, I would agree that it is definitely antithetical to the nature of the hobby. Um, I don't ask my friends to pay or get me stuff to play. Um, we have a weekly game actually bi-weekly. I run two different groups, so I see each group every other week. Okay, but as you just said, why are you doing it for free? Um, particularly, A, I started for free. I started paid DMing after 
Uh, I've got no plans on stopping. I enjoy my friend's company, and I would not ask my friends to pay. Complete strangers? Still a little weird, but I could do that. Um, it's, I, I don't know. I think that comes down to a personal situation. I don't like the idea of charging my friends. I don't, especially with what I want to do in the game that we're creating. Um, my plan was to really develop a world, have them help establish it, help build the lore and get it published. Uh, but I, that's less of a goal now. Now it's just to finish the story. Well, see, for me, I think actually that this, this, this really, you saying that has only articulate one of my big objections, which is this hobby is something I do to play with friends and to make new friends. I would agree with that. So if if I'm if I'm turning that into something transactional, I don't feel like I'm I'm going to be making friends with people I'm charging money for. I feel like I'm going to have I feel like it's going to be the same situation you have with the um the cute waitress you think is flirting with you, right? I understand. Um I I think one of my issues is I would actually become friends and then I would stop charging them. Yeah, but that's a me thing. That's, that's yeah. not a representation of everybody. That's me. I would end up becoming friends and stop charging them. But that also leads into a situation where maybe a paying player is just like, I don't really want to be friends with you. I just want to pay you so that you can run games for me. You know? I can do that. <laughs> sure. But like, ultimately, to me, when I think of the ideal state of the role-playing game hobby for me, it's it's about creating experiences with friends. Friendship to me is a big part of the hobby. Um, I like I like making th friends through it. Some of my best friendships have been made through RPGs, mm -hmm. and I think that the introduction of commerce into that discourages that in some sense. I think it's plausible. Uh, I think that you've made excellent points. I mean, you certainly aren't wrong. I'm not saying I'm right. You're, it, these are views. These are things that are concerns. Um, <clears throat> I think when we looked at the idea of paid gaming versus not paid gaming, you're hitting the biggest point on the head is that a lot of people view it as a thing, as a catalyst to make friends, a catalyst to enjoy your friends, to collaborate with friends, to develop relationships. And it doesn't matter what game you're playing. That's really like the community that you create at your table uh, without the introduction of financial compensation in any regard is free from the constraints of rules of commerce, as you've stated. That is the biggest driving factor for me in playing with my friends, never charging money for my friends, um, inviting new people that I don't know to play at my table uh, in person. <clears throat> that is, that, that's where it's at. When, again, when I said I, I started charging it was simply this is outside of my normal scope of time that i put energy into it so i gave it a shot people are willing to pay and i didn't put much extra effort 
I didn't put any extra effort <laughs> into it. Um, well, sure, but I guess that actually answers to me. This answers the question that you asked me at the beginning of this, which is, okay. you said, if you if if I as a GM am creating a creative product, why should I not get compensated for that? And my response is the compensation is the the experiences of friendship you have with the people you are playing with. I think that's fair. And I think that is something that was stated in one of the Dungeons and Dragons rule books many years ago, is mm -hmm. that it's the collaborative storytelling that should be more than enough form of compensation by any means between the group. Um, altruistic, I think, by the standard. But again, I mean, I've already I've stated it more than once. We've created a market for it, and it's there because there are people who are willing to pay and people who are willing to ask for the cash to do so. So I, again, think you made some great points, valid concerns all the way around. Thank you. And I, I mean, I, I really appreciate that this remained, uh, remained civil and, uh, and, and genuine, the genuine curiosity on both sides and, and attempting to, uh, to really keep it, to keep it, uh, Oh, what's the word I want? Um, kind and compassionate in dialogue. That's because you and I, sir, are unicorns of the internet. Yeah, buddy. <laughs> All right. So we've just hit a little over an hour. Uh, while we wanted to talk a little bit about immersion, maybe we can bring you in so soon to cover some more of that. And yeah. I was hoping to uh, branch into it because one of the biggest things I've seen on people who are expecting out of paid games is a level of immersion that mm -hmm. they just don't feel like they get elsewhere, uh, mm -hmm. which is fair. So that's what kind of things you would want to see to be immersed. But right. uh, that's, well, that's, I, awesome. I, I firmly believe that um, immersion is something every GM should be striving towards always. Uh, the critical role effect is damaging. We can definitely talk about that another time. You sh uh, folks should also, um, I wrote, I wrote a, uh, a couple of blog posts for the website. It's called uh, "Let I Believe Let Persuasion Checks Succeed, You Cowards." Mm -hmm. uh, that talk a little bit about immersion. I have another one coming up soon uh, that might be the one that gets posted uh, this week, which uh, is going to talk a little bit about um, what what immersion what what helps immersion for the what it what the what the actual die roll part of a die roll could help in terms of immersion. So we have some interesting stuff coming up uh, and already there on, on the on the website about immersion. And I'd, I'd love to talk about that with you again soon, Rob. I really would. Yeah, I'd, I'd love to hear it because uh, I was at Gen Con earlier this year. I had a great conversation with a developer and he was telling me how he runs some of his home games, actually how mm -hmm. he runs his home game for the game he made. And damn, does it sound, it's beautiful. I was hoping to, have him on the show but i haven't heard back for a while so i might reach out to him again but um yeah there's a lot of history for that conversation things that i want to bring up later but again we've pushed so far over time i don't want to hold yeah. you guys up any longer actually um, probably you're probably at the point where you could split this into a two-part episode maybe but i won't <laughs> guys, check us out online 
uh, at epictablegames.com. Make sure you read some of Tucker's blog posts there. Fucking awesome. Check us out on Facebook at Epic Table Games. You can always pick up Echoes of Varrock, which was just released earlier this month for Halloween, my horror adventure at DriveThruRPG on our website or Amazon. See you next time. Okay, new intro. We've changed the name, and we're still using the word paladin. Paladin. I mean, it hasn't been used in the English language in about 200 years, but okay.